Thanks for tuning in to The Glossy Podcast, where every week we talk fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making things happen in the industry. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and on today's episode, I sit down with Jennifer Zuccarini, founder and CEO of lingerie and ready-to-wear brand Florida Mall. I wanted to have Jennifer on the show to discuss the growing competition in the lingerie space and whether Victoria's Secret's plunging reputation has impacted her company's approach to sexy. That's up next. Hey, Jennifer, welcome. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being so here. So exciting. We're going to talk about <sighs> Florida Mall and all things sexy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So talk to me. Not a new business. 2012, is that the launch date? Yes, we launched at the end of 2012. So we just had our seven-year anniversary. Um, Congrats. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Woo, what did you do for that? We did, we had a night out with our team. We kind of had a little party and got a little out of control with the team, but it was very fun. No, we just celebrated. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to do something a little bit bigger for our seven-year anniversary, but it was so busy with the holidays. We just ended up having a great time together. Man, you should have launched a different <laughs> month. I feel like you're going to hit that every time. <laughs> I wanted to go roller skating. Yes. That was, I wanted to do roller disco, but um, a theme yeah. to it. we took a vote up. and that did not win. Damn. Well, next time for <laughs> sure. How large is your team? We're about 25 people now. Got it. Um, and we have a couple people in LA as well. And yeah, so we're, we're, we're actually, we're hiring. I was just going to say, I saw you were hiring. Who are I you, who like are you looking for? What kind of, what kind of folks? Well, we're <laughs> looking for a head here. of growth. <laughs> oh yes. Is that a new position? You can apply to Fleur at FleurdeMall.com. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's kind of something we've been looking for for a while. Uh, it's basically to oversee our e-commerce business. Yes. Um, so that's a big role. We're looking for a, um, senior designer. We're looking for a new, we're looking for someone to oversee retail. Yes. Um, I feel like there's other things too. Yeah, but. you're growing, growing. Let's yeah. dig into all of that. <laughs> E-commerce. First of all, what percentage are you DTC wholesale? You're, you're still selling through Net-A-Porter and the other and the wholesale partners. Is mm-hmm. that the ongoing plan to kind of do both? Well, we are right now 75% direct to consumer, wow. um, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so 25% of our business is wholesale. Um, and, you know, I think for us, it's about just having the right wholesale partners and really you know, people that we feel represent the brand well, like Net-A-Porter, for example, is a great partner for us. Yep. Um, and so I think, you know, I think like everyone, we're rethinking how we're approaching wholesale. And I think the biggest challenge is the calendar of wholesale and how that, you know, the, the flow of product and the seasonal product and the time it has to sell. And I think the calendar is too short. Yeah. <laughs> there are too many seasons. It's too much product. And I think people don't have enough time to really sell through everything. Yep. Um, and, you know, as you see with Black Friday, we're in this crazy markdown world. And I think this has been the most aggressive Black Friday we've ever seen. Yes. For long, long ass sales. Yes. Jeez. Starting earlier than it ever has this year. Yeah. We had to we had to uh, move our sale earlier because so many of our partners went on sale unexpectedly very early. Yep. So what did you do this year? For Black Friday? Yeah. Um, we did, 
we did markdowns. Um, yes, <laughs> we did was it across the board. No, it was you know I'm I my my team knows I hate marking things down. I hate doing sale. It's my le- I'm always like no, I'll just hold on to it. I will just sell it slowly over five years. You know, like I just <laughs> yeah. I find it, a style. like sexy my, is sexy. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's you know it's kind of like your babies, and then you're like giving them away. And I, you know, so it's always a difficult time of year for me, but we did, we did like 40% off, um, our 30 and 40% off our fall merchandise. And then, then at the end we did an extra 25% off. Great. Yeah. That's good. It was good. Yeah. Let's circle back. You started as strictly, did you start as strictly lingerie and eventually you evolved to ready to wear as well, or did both at the same time they hit? We, well, we always had both. We, but Definitely, it was more lingerie, but we always had those pieces that were very much inspired by lingerie, bodysuits and slip dresses and camis and pajama dressing, and that was always a big part of the ethos of the brand, and yeah. that's that's always inspired me as a designer. It's, you know, not just lingerie, but how lingerie inspires ready-to-wear and thinking about how that kind of those two things work together and become one, you know, kind of the wardrobing of it. Yeah. Um. So that was always there since our first season but it's definitely the ready-to-wear part of it has evolved a lot over the last few years um and it's become more of a standalone collection but i really love it when it when it does tie back to the lingerie and there's some connection whether it's like the fabric or what you're wearing or it's you know i like to create the whole look nice Back to the wholesale partners. So who, Net-A-Porte makes a great partner. Who else, um, what about them makes a great partner? And talk about a little bit about what you were saying in terms of seasonality. Mm-hmm. Um, what Do you do seasonal collections? Is the the point that you're making is that maybe they, they want to sell through and like bring in the next collection rather than kind of some of your pieces are more kind of evergreen? Yes. Or, yeah. We do have a big part of our collection is our essentials. And those are styles that are, um, we never mark down they're just, they're evergreen. They're, you know, beautiful pieces that you can have forever. And, and I really like, I like that idea, that concept of something that you invest in and that you hold on to and it's not disposable fashion. Yeah. Um, you know, so Net-A-Porte is a good partner because I think they, they really understand how to buy the collection. They buy the lingerie and the ready-to-wear. Nice. Whereas we have a lot of partners that maybe buy one or the other. Um, you know, Barney's was our first partner. Aw. Yeah. I we know. love you. <laughs> I'm so sad. I feel like I'm just, every time I'm getting their crazy emails right now, I don't know if you're getting them with their, the markdown emails that they're, oh, how it looks far like low, a How low are we basement. going? Right. Doesn't look that low, but it's just, it breaks my heart. I mean, Barney's was the first, our first retail partner. And the epitome um, of cool. Yes. Right? Yes. It's crazy. just, yeah. Crazy <laughs> it's world. unfortunate. So were you with them till the end? Yep. Yeah. Or I guess mm-hmm. it's not the end end. It's the end. I guess it's kind of the end. I don't yeah, know. It is. I'm like, what's Who happening to our stuff that's there? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, um, uh, <laughs> I've cursed but, a lot already. Let's get on track. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Barney's was our first partner. Net-A-Porte was also one of our earlier partners. Um, you know, a great wholesale partner. I think they, they uh, respect your timeline with, your markdown cadences. They buy into the collection in a thoughtful way. They really understand the concept of mixing the lingerie and the ready-to-wear. Um, yeah, we have, I'm trying to think, well, you know, we work with Shopbop. We work with, oh, great. Um, you know, I think Saks has, you know, been a partner to us for a long time. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, where we're seeing the growth, even on the wholesale side, are the, are the wholesale partners that are e-com. Got it. 
So in store, like in a SACS, do you do you feel the need to maybe like train the staff or to uh, have a, I don't know, a storytelling moment in store? What's happening in store? Absolutely. I think now more than ever, it's really on the brands to oversee what's happening at department stores. I mean, yeah. you really have to send someone from your team there almost weekly um, to freshen up the floor, to cultivate relationships with the retail team there. Um, it's it's a lot of work. I think those days of like just having sending your product off to a department store and hoping that they do do the best thing with it and sell it for you is not right. are over. It's really much, I think, on the brands to help yeah. make that happen. Yeah. Is it easy, just easier to <laughs> do it yourself? <laughs> What's happening with your own physical retail? I know you have a, a store here in New York. Um, am I correct? Started yes. as a pop-up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Started as a pop-up and did really, really well. It's in Nolita on Mott Street. Yep. Um, and that's a full-time, long-term store now, which awesome. we love. When did you it's kind of really flip cute. the switch and say, we're going to stay here permanently? Yeah, about a year. I think it's been about a year now, a year okay. and a half. Um, and it's a really cute space and we do a lot of events there and we actually have a little art gallery in there called the Peep Show. So we will feature different artists um, but and do events around that and we'll have bands play. We've had, you know, we've had tarot card readers. We've had all sorts of, we've had sex talks. Like we do all sorts of things Fun. Um, in our, re- and I think that's so, such an important part of retail, that experiential part where you're really offering programming and different ways for people to engage with the brand. Yeah. Are you finding that a lot of your, your shoppers, maybe they come in, they found you online, they're coming in to try on in store or see, feel, touch, like what's kind of, what's happening there? I think, you know, if if you look at, I mean, there's so many direct to consumer brands that launched with e-commerce that now have physical retail. If you walk around Nolita and Soho, it's literally filled now with um, direct to consumer brands. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think, I think what people are really, I think a couple of years ago, people were very anti-retail. And now I think everyone's come around to see that it actually does support the whole business. Like it's, you know, we have, we acquire new customers that, you know, in Nolita, we have a lot of tourists, for example, and they're like, oh, we've never seen the brand. And then they become customers and then they go, they shop online. We have our online customers who maybe they really do want to try some things on. So they'll go to the store and, you know, one really supports the other. Yeah. Is your, are your neighbors, are they kind of there to stay? Do you have a rotating mix of neighbors because everybody's doing pop-ups now? Our block's been pretty solid. I mean, cool. we have Warm. I don't know if you know that store, which is a great multi-brand store on our street. They've been there forever. And we have um, a coffee shop next to us. So we're our, our block's pretty, everyone's kind of been there, but the yeah. neighborhood around us is changing uh, so much. Got it. What happened? Uh, am I correct? Palisades Village or you were in LA for a bit? Yeah, we did a, a little pop-up in Palisades Village. Yeah, what opened. did you find there? Well, it's a, have you seen the development? It's a beautiful development. It's gorgeous. Yes. I just saw it. Did you go? Yeah, because <laughs> you're in Malibu. Um, so that was, you know, Caruso development, and he does just amazing things. I'm such a fan of his. We just did a little pop-up there. I think it wasn't 100% our demo. It was yeah. a little more conservative. Um, and so when I, I would be there and I would, like, sit on the bench in front of the store and watch women kind of, and they'd be like, oh, I'm not going in there. It's a lingerie store like uh <laughs> like so like just this very god forbid yes like ah uh, like and we had to we have a lot of ready to wear it didn't even look that i thought racy in our store but um it was uh interesting i think we met some amazing people there and it was great for customer acquisition but ultimately not 
our home, but I think yeah. a lot of people do really well there. Are there any other markets that you're looking to explore now? Well, we're opening in LA. Oh, perfect. We are about to finalize that in Palisades Village. In Palisades Village, but I do love them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's very kid friendly. It's a good place to bring your kids and get yes. like, donuts. Um, we are looking, in, we, we have a space in West Hollywood that we're finalizing. Oh, great. And I'm really excited about it. Talk to me about this. Yeah. Uh, anti-sexy <laughs> thing <laughs> happening like you're blatantly sexy I was on your site everything's like I was saying more and more and more, more. Yeah. it's very hot <laughs> yowza um talk to me I, I mean do you get I don't know backlash like in today's market you everyone's associating that with Victoria's Secret I would assume and the negative things that yeah. they've <laughs> said and I guess anyway you're you are you getting pegged with that I think, you know, not really. Yeah. It, it's different, I think, because I feel, yes, we are. I think the word sexy is such a loaded word. It's it's even hard for me to use it because it is such a Victoria's Secret word that they, I feel like they owned that. Sexy. Bombshell. Yes. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, two cup sizes bra. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, we're more about empowered sexuality and I feel like because our voice is very authentic and, you know, I'm a female founder and I, I think, I think people recognize the authenticity in everything that we do. And I, I think why can't someone, a woman who's powerful also embrace her sexuality and femininity? Yeah. Why can't she be sexy if she wants to be? And I think that's a really, um, I think people have a little bit wrestle with, with women. They have a hard time wrapping those two things together Whereas for a man, I think if a man is powerful and he's sexy, everyone's like, yes, you know? Yeah. That's like the best thing ever. Right. But for a woman, I think it's a little more complicated. But I think for me, it's really important to be able to express both those things. Yeah. With today's kind of climate, do you think that it's been, has it been a rocky road? Did you experience some, uh, maybe you you had to have a stronger voice and just Mm -hmm. like be more, we're not going to waver from this message or from our from our concept i think things have changed a lot over the last especially obviously with the me too movement where i think we have to be very careful more careful about what we say and the image we present the models we cast the tone that we use but i don't want to feel stifled by that creatively and i think that's always the that's kind of the you know i want to feel like this is my vision i want to express it and it might not be for everybody, but the people that do get it, I think really love it and embrace it. But, you know, there's certain things that we did seven years ago, six years ago that we w- wouldn't do now. And they were meant to be very funny and like cheeky. Yeah. But so uh, some things like that. Hmm? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you just preface it with we don't do this anymore. But <laughs> No, I mean, a lot of our emails are very content driven. And I think people always used to love our emails because we'd always try to not just be like, here's some new dresses but you know kind of tie in some content to it like and so everything from you know how to take a selfie or or how to flirt with somebody on dm or yeah you know just keeping it very topical and fun I think fun is the idea but I think you know in the past we I know we did something that was like alluded to flirting with somebody at the office and people didn't like that oh yeah (laughs) nowadays that would not fly yeah (laughs) don't hit on your boss or your assistant or anyone don't hit on anyone at the office (laughs) bad advice (laughs) Um, 
No. So talk about your marketing now. <gasps> but people will still flirt with each other at the. I'm just saying, like you can it say it. It absolutely happens. It it's still there. We just we can pretend like it doesn't happen, but it's still happening. Yes. <laughs> You're just keeping it real. <laughs> oh my gosh. So talk to me about your. <laughs> Your voice you're using in your marketing. Do you kind of, is that, do you have, I don't know, we hear, I used to work at Sears Holdings. We had somebody named Sophie and she was your girl next door. <laughs> so it's like, do you have a, a voice, a person that you kind of, she's a, a vixen or what is she, who is she? Yeah. I mean, I think we always think like, who is Flora? Does this sound like Flora? Is this what you like? And everything we do, we're thinking about like, what is she, you know, what music does she listen to? Where does she go out? What books is she reading? Who, is she, who would she be dating? Like everything is kind of through that lens of Fleur, yep. um, which is great. And I think she's all of those things. She's she's powerful. She's doing what she wants to do in her life. Um, she's embracing her femininity and sexuality. She owns, she owns what she does. She's yes. making her own decisions and she's living life to the fullest. Nice. And that's kind of like my ideal Fleur yeah. woman we used to say floor girl even that like we used to be like floor girl and now i'm like does that sound not you know girl i don't know does it not sound like empowered enough but like floor woman also sounds a little not yeah. as fun floor <laughs> femme. femme that's cute <laughs> so yeah um, we definitely think of have this persona in mind yeah that makes sense and marketing where 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 is this happening right now what's the breakdown most mostly our most of our budget is digital marketing Facebook and Instagram, yeah. Instagram mostly. Yep. Um, but we also, you know, we just launched a catalog uh, this week. Oh, it, print. Is it yes. going to current customers, prospective customers, all both. of the above? It's yeah. going to both. Okay. Um, that's our very first time doing that. A lot of direct-to-consumer brands are actually doing catalogs now, which is kind of a full yeah. what is, back to where we started. Um, <laughs> major investment. This is a big portion of your budget this, this season. Yes, yeah. for holiday it is. And, um, and yeah, I think, you know, we're, I think probably like a lot of brands, we're thinking how to diversify away from just being so dependent on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if this it's is scary, has the catalog has gone out any just early learnings or too Literally soon? Literally it was in, in uh home yesterday. Okay. So I think we're already seeing I, I feel like it's hard, you know, you put a code in the catalog, but a lot of people don't use it. Yeah. Um, but we're monitoring it. So we'll see over the next couple of days. How fat is this thing? It's not that fat. It's like 28 pages. Still. Yeah. Nice. It's really cute. Cool. But. So if that go takes off, moving away, the goal is moving away from Facebook, Instagram. Is it just right now a machine just tr pumping the money? You see the return, obviously. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, it's, it's kind of the only game in town a little bit right now. And I think that's scary. I think, you know, in a way I was saying to my husband who used to work at Condé Nast, I was like, I wish we could just go back to like advertising in Vogue. <laughs> it would be so much easier. Actually, it would be, you know, now it's, it's much more complicated. And I think the demand for content creation is so high. Yes. As I'm sure you know, too, from Glossy. Um, yep. We just have to be creating content relentlessly. It's like we have to, I feel like we need to hire, you know, an in-house photographer, an in-house videographer, a bigger social media team. Like that's what you do now as a brand. You're a content creator. Yeah. Is everybody in-house that's creating your content? Everyone. We create all of our content in-house. Yes. yes. How many people are on the team now? Between so, social and video and photography, whoever you've got. We're about four. Three okay. Four people. Still. Yeah. And that's mostly, it's Instagram and you're probably... 
chopping up the pieces, using them across the board. Yep. Yeah. We do also we do a lot of photo shoots. We cool. do um, videos. We do, but I think there's so much more we want to do on the storytelling part of it. Um, and I think that's that's what people want to see now. They don't want to just see a campaign. Yeah. We still will post our campaign, but you know, it's not just about these beautiful, perfect images. People want to see the behind the scenes, the you know, the inner workings of the brand. Yep. So more video. Definitely more video. Cool. 100% more video. But it's hard. Video is harder. We've done video and scrapped it a lot and just hasn't been right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. tough, I'm sure. The videographer. We don't have yeah. a videographer yet. Okay. We, we work with them on a freelance basis, yeah. but I literally think we could hire somebody full time. Totally. Let's take a quick break. Let's talk about your... Gosh, first of all, the crowded market. So many lingerie direct-to-consumer brands are springing up. I wouldn't say that anybody is a direct competitor in that they are embracing sexiness, whatever the word is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they're in a different space, a different ballgame. Um, but gosh, the competition's heating up. It's Would you say up. that that's really like, <laughs> that's been affecting your, like the Facebook and Instagram and it's been pumping up, like the prices are going up because the, everybody's going after the same customer or what, how would you look at that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know that plus I just think the volume of direct to consumer brands in general going after a similar audience. I think just this holiday season was expensive. It was just, yeah, you know, we spent a lot more than we did last holiday. It's just, everything's more competitive across the board. I mean, I do think there are a lot of direct-to-consumer intimate apparel brands that have popped up, but I do think that we have a, a really unique point of view and a strong voice. And I think that it's the emotional connection that we have with our customers that, to me, that's everything. Yeah. And when someone gets, they're like, oh, I'm obsessed with Floor. I love it. That's what I'm going for every day. Not just like, of course, we also want to have beautiful things that women can wear every day. And we have a essentials collection. But I think our our thing isn't like we're making the most comfortable bra and we're undercutting Victoria's Secret in price. It's it's different. It's it's I think people want to identify with the brands that they purchase yes, from. Absolutely. Um, size inclusivity. I know you just launched a maybe not just but collaboration. Yes. Precious Lee. With Precious Lee, who's amazing. Love yes. her. What was the driver behind that? Um, you know, so we a couple of years ago we added our fuller cup collection and that was something we had you know so much demand for and customers saying you know why don't you, you don't have my cup size and it's you know bras are super technical and they they're the, you know a bra can have 26 components in it um so it's a lot of work to produce a bra and then for, to have it fit an a cup to a g cup is you know i'm like why why are we doing this it's so complicated I should make t-shirts but um <laughs> But so Fuller Cup was a a big initiative and that was kind of the start of it. But then we were looking for, we definitely wanted to do an extended size collaboration. And actually 11 Honoré, we started working with 11 Honoré about a year or two ago. Nice. And we started doing capsules for them. So that's kind of how we started. Got it. And that was, was that clothing and lingerie? Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, So that's, that's where we started. We didn't have it on our site yet. We just started doing exclusive capsules for them. Yep. And then they actually introduced me to Precious Lee. Great. And we and they were like, you have to meet Precious. She really embodies the brand. She's super, she wears lingerie every day as part of her outfit, of her look. She's empowered and beautiful and sexy. And we met and really hit it off. I just adored her. Um, and yeah, so we started working on this collaboration, which took, you know, over a year. Really? Yeah. 
That's how long it takes. From start to finish. It does. It takes longer than you think. Um, And even though it was was a small collection, it still was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of work to make make that happen. And um, Yeah. But we launched it about a month ago. Great. And it's been doing really, really well. And we're so excited about it. And it felt like so needed, you know, and I think our, our customer really appreciated it. Like, thank you so much for doing this. And, you know, I, I really want to keep it as part of our collection and extend all of our, especially our essentials, just continue yeah. extending those sizes. So we have that as part of our regular offering. Totally. Talk about uh, not only having kind of all of those skews in terms of like band yeah. size and cup size, like I'm sure it's just like, that's a huge load. Um, but also is the, also the budget or the, the cost associated with it have to do with its fit models, its samples. It's like when people, when brands are talking about like, we can't go there because it's so costly. Can it's you kind costly. of break it down? <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially for lingerie. So we had to, yeah, we had to hire new fit models. We had to hire different fit models, different sizes within that range. Like not just, you know, we started on a 38 double D and then we had like a 30, a 40, F cup like we we had to bring in different so that's expensive um it's you know it's a big commitment in terms of time and development so I think you know I think more brands don't do it because it is a little bit different and then also I think the the other thing for us is how do we market to that customer yeah so our current customer was not that size so it didn't really matter that we were doing this to our current customer because that's not that wasn't her size. So right. we had to think about how do we reach a new customer that is this size and that would be interested in this product. And I think so that that requires a separate marketing strategy, budget, um, you and know, social Lee initiatives, partner to say, rather than just say we have extended sizing now, like to have her be the face of yes. this. That, that's so, so important. Smart. Yeah, we so needed smart. definitely needed that. Absolutely. Talk about your other kind of collaborators or influencers. I mean, this is not an influencer, I guess, more of a celebrity, but like I, in following the brand, I know like Khloe Kardashian's wearing your dress. Mm -hmm. Like what does that do for sales? Does that, do you see it an immediate spike? Sometimes we do. Um, It depends on who it is and and how, how it's been posted or put out there. And like, so so we just had Kaya Gerber wear one of our dresses. Oh, great. Um, and she also wore one of our corset tops. But the dress, when she wore the dress, it was that day that she was wearing that pea necklace. And there was all of that. Everyone picked up that story about... Oh, was she also with her new boyfriend? Because that would have been a great photo for you. She, yeah. <laughs> or a great... It would have swept the nation. <laughs> like, I think because she happened to be wearing our dress when people picked up that she was wearing this necklace. And what did that mean? It, was it P for Pete Davidson? And everyone was, you know... So that image got picked up everywhere um i think things like that definitely they do help celebrity it's it's important and i think for us you know we never we don't pay anybody we're we're more want authentic fans of the brand we you know we'll we will gift if we don't send stuff out blindly we are very you know thoughtful we'll have a conversation with somebody we'll understand what they like most celebrity though is really happening through stylists yeah yeah it's not really like we're sending anything as gifts. Yeah. And kind of uh, the typical influencers, are you working with anybody even on a gifting uh, basis, micro influencers, mm-hmm. any of those bigger, bigger dogs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't, again, like we don't, we don't have a, a formal influencer 
thing yeah. that we do. It's all it's all managed in house, and it's very case by case. So we do have people that we really love, and if we love somebody, we'll reach out. Nice. Um, and if they are interested and they like something, we'll certainly gift them. But you can't when you give somebody, you can't enforce them to post anything. Right. But you have to just hope that it happens. Um, I think we are considering, you know, doing some some things paid in the future if it's a long-term collaboration. Cool. That makes sense. What do you know about your customer now? You're kind of talking about these super fans, um, maybe about the uh, loyalty or longevity or, I don't know, are most of your customers repeat, repeat purchasers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 40% of our customers are repeat customers. Um, you know, we have this interesting mix because we have we definitely also have a younger customer mm-hmm. that's more um, more of an aspirational shopper okay and who is definitely buying more of our maybe our lingerie or you know our opening price point things or when we go on sale you know we'll see our customers like I I bought you know I bought a slip dress for my 21st birthday and like really cute things like I love that we have that young customer but then we also have this more affluent um customer who's definitely a luxury shopper yeah who recognizes the quality of you know everything that we do and you know most of our laces are French Levers Lace and you know we work nice. with a lot of the same mills that Chanel and Valentino work with um, <laughs> nice a lot of silks so the quality of our of our products really great yeah um, so we do get that that luxury customer plus that younger aspirational customer cool what's kind of I was going to ask about like even your clothing price points um, whether like you considered yourself luxury or maybe like mm-hmm. I hear like advanced contemporary or like what it's a luxury brand you would say. Well, we kind of talk about it as attainable luxury. Okay. Um, which is how I like to think about it because we, you know, our opening price point bra is $78 um, and we're launching a $68 bra. Nice. And so that's really important for me too. And especially for that younger customer to have that more opening price point offering. Yep. Um, especially for direct to consumer. I think it's really important. Uh, so we're, yeah, we're, we have a mix, we have a mix of price points. Okay. And I think that's been working for us. Absolutely. Can you tell a little, talk a little bit about kind of, uh, in the lingerie space overall, I don't want to say like, where is Victoria's Secret going wrong, but, but what's working? Like what's resonating? What are you finding? You, I don't know, do's and don'ts. (laughs) Let's do say, where are they going wrong? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, I think, Victoria's Secret. Um, you have a history just, with them. Yeah, I worked there. Yeah. Um, I had, I mean, I had a great experience working there. I think that they were just too late to move. Yeah. And they stayed a little bit, they just waited too long and people were just begging them yeah. to do something, to change something and to show more diversity and inclusivity. And, and they just held on and that was their demise. Like I think, yeah. you know, now they're trying to make up for that a little bit but I don't know I think unfortunately it's also that mob mentality of people like wanting to hate them right now and I do even though I've had my issues with them recently as well um I think they could have avoided a lot of it had they made changes earlier yeah and I think people just got tired of that one note of what sexy is totally I tell you what I was shopping over the weekend and I was in Herald Square and there's a Victoria's Secret there and yeah like in a three block radius, there were a lot of Victoria's Secret bags. They were having like a buy one, get one free, like mm-hmm. something wild sale. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like 
some people they were very young maybe yeah. the young maybe they haven't smartened up to <laughs> their stubborn ways anyway <laughs> i think they have also a big international following and i yeah. think carol square gets a ton of tourist traffic as well and totally I think the perception of the brand is very different overseas yep. that makes sense um but i do think a lot of newer lingerie brands are just kind of chipping away and taking different pieces of the Victoria's Secret business. Yep. So that more casual customer that was maybe like the body by Victoria customer as probably the third love person. Yes. And, you know, we're more, you know, I think we do have that customer that has graduated from Victoria's Secret and wants something a little bit better and is more thoughtful about the brands they choose. Yep. Um, and so we will get probably that customer too that was a, maybe bought on the sexier, like the very sexy collection or Absolutely. it's all being chipped away. Yeah. Where do you see opportunity? Is it in interna international markets? Is it, um, you know, we hear a lot about growth either through new markets or through new product. I mean, you got a lot of product happening. We have a lot of product. Yeah. <laughs> we look at both. I think um, right now we're very focused on our domestic growth and we're an expanding retail yes. um, and really just you know, penetrating new markets because I think we've been very focused on New York and California. And I think there's, you know, we do have a lot of customers in the middle in between that. Yeah. And so we're thinking about different ways we can connect with our customer in new cities. And, um, and, and a lot of that is through retail, through pop-ups, um, and also through more marketing campaigns in, in specific regions Yeah, that we can is it more Chicago, Dallas? Those kind of yeah, yeah. Miami, Chicago, Dallas, San Francisco, um, Aspen. <laughs> the sexy just because I want to you. go there. I'm like, let's do a pop up in Aspen <laughs> for work. It's necessary. I will be there. <laughs> the bikini with the coat over it. It's a look in Aspen. I will sell you a bra. Um, yeah. No, I think. I think, and then international as well, like we're, you know, we do have a strong following in Australia, in the UK, Canada, um, and China and Russia, actually. Got it. Do you have a social pres presence in China right now? Not that I know of, no. Just wondering. I mean, we have, we have a lot of customers in China, people, yeah. especially because we also sell through Farfetch. Oh, so perfect. one of our, usually our third top region is China. Yep. Um, social following... I mean, it's not a notable thing, I think, for us right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it doesn't pop up as one of our top regions. Cool. Last question. Any, with your ready-to-wear fashion week, is that like no, no presence there? Not so far. I yeah. mean, I have to say every— Have you considered it? Yes. Yeah. Every season, I'm like, let's do a show. And then I really think about it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then— <laughs> It's then we think about the budget and then yeah. it kind of gets shut down. No, um, I I think at some point we'll do something just so I can like check that box. Yeah. Because um, I would love to. But I do think that it's it's a big investment at a very crowded time yeah. when sometimes I think you could do something more impactful at another time in the year. And I do think, too, if you do something during Fashion Week and then you don't, it looks weird. Yeah. Like, is something wrong? Oh, they showed last season, but they're not showing this season. So I think, and I don't know if I'd want to be tied into that. I, I, yeah. I'd more like want to have a really amazing party and do something fun. Wear your style. Peep show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. This has been great. Thank you so much. 
That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.